Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. I will be um, picking up on a series that I started uh, on the last Sunday night. Um, Well, it wasn't last Sunday night, the Sunday night before. And thankfully, you have access to go watch things from YouTube and pick up on the previous sessions. But we talked about the favor of God on the last Sunday that I was here by myself. And I want to return to that because um, it is one of the benefits of God that we really need to have a scriptural understanding of its purpose in our life. Because a lot of times people just think favor is for good things to happen. But the favor is not just good things happening. It's the force of God in our life that will cause those good things to happen. And it is a, a, a force that we need to be operating in purposefully. Yes. Not, not sensing like, well, I don't want to ask the Lord. You know, I don't want to put, you know, if he wants to. No, he gives us some specific Uh, instructions about being strong in the grace. And we're going to look at that focus tonight to to give an emphasis. But I want to read to you a quote from Dr. Jerry Savelle, who has taught me so much about favor. Did I say favor? Favor. Did any, has Brother Savelle taught you anything about favor? Yeah, I praise God he's going to come this year and have his motorcycle rally here on a Sunday. So praise God. Uh, But he has taught me so much about favor. And this is something that in his book, uh, one of his books that I had studied, it it was something that he mentioned. And it struck me that, and I put it in my journal, he said, the more I take control of my mind, and build my awareness and expectancy of God's favor, the less I have to deal with the fear of failure. He said, if I build my expectancy of God's favor, the less I have to deal with the fear of failure. And he was talking about having to believe God with big projects and large amounts of money that he needed to come in for different things in his ministry. And that fear of failure was always there presenting itself. But he, he found a way to confront that negative expectation by building in advance on the, on the front end, building an expectancy of the favor of God that kind of inoculated him, you could say. Or it, it, it built up a defense mechanism that, that protected him, which kind of is what we've talked about with the stronghold of the word. If I take the word of God and I establish a stronghold in my life in advance, then, then I have an entrenchment. I have a refuge to hide in, a refuge of favor. 
so that I don't have to fear not being able to do this or not, being, not having any help or I've got to figure out how to make this happen on my own. I've got the favor of God. God favors me. And that, that fourth, you've got to believe that for it to work for you. You've got to have faith in favor for favor to have its flow. We talked about that. So let's start right there with Romans 5. Because that's what we, we, we indicated and really established in that first teaching on access to favor. So if you weren't here, go back and watch it on the YouTube or find it on the podcast. We're on Spotify, we're on Google Play, we're on uh, iTunes podcast. And find that and listen to it again because we really talked about how to enter in to the favor. And it speaks of it here and we'll just recapitulate here in verses 1 and 2 of Romans 5. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace. Access into this grace by what? By faith. Faith is the access or the entrance or the entering into the grace or the favor of God. So I do need to believe in it. And the more strongly I believe that the favor of God is operative, the more activity I'm going to see it in my life. The more I'm going to be aware of favor opportunities. Ooh, that's the favor of God. That's the favor of God. That's, and because I'm expecting it and I've built that force of faith to, to reach out and lay hold of it when it comes then I'm going to have a greater operation of that faith because, or that grace because faith is present already. If I don't have that faith built for that favor, then I'm going to have to stop and go build it to be able, and then come back and look for that favor opportunity again. But if I've got a, a scriptural foundation already established in my heart that the favor of God is unlimited in my life. The fullness of the favor. And so let's just revisit John 1. I think I, I quoted the Amplified version, but I'd like to look at John 1 in the Amplified, specifically verse 16. So favor is not something we've got to try to get. We've got it in Christ. But we've got to know it and believe it. We've, we've, we've got the love of God, but he says, I have known and believed. I got to know it and believe it. <laughs> and so favor is one of those things. If I know it and I believe it, I can lay hold of it. So John 1, 16 says, of his fullness have we received. Speaking of Jesus, of his fullness. So what's in Jesus fully is in James fully, is in Sister Gloria fully. Amen. It's in Elizabeth fully. It's in Patricia fully. What, what's in Christ in a fullness, you don't have a little piece of it. You don't have just a little doled out portion to you. What's in him fully is in you fully. It's in me fully. We have it fully, completely accessed because everything that's in Christ is available to us. He didn't hold anything back. It says he's freely with him given us all things. Amen? So it says, of his, his fullness have we all received. 
of his fullness we have received. We'll back up to verse 14 and find out what was he full of. It says in verse 14, he is full of grace and truth. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So he is full of the favor of God. Do you think there's any of God's favor that he's withholding from Jesus? No, what, God is fully favorable to Jesus, 100% on his side. And we talked about some of the definitions for favor last week, and, and, and I'm just going to revisit just the definitions. It means to support, to bear or hold up. Oh, glory. Favor will hold you up. Favor will support you. Maintain by supply. Favor will maintain you by supply. It means to endorse, to approve, support, and sustain. It means to assist, to give support, aid, or help, to stand by or cause you to stand. It means to make easier, to make easier, to provide with advantages. I mean, that is one of, uh, maintained by supply might be my, one of my favorites, but uh, uh, to provide with advantages would be second in that favorite list. I mean, I like them all, but to provide with advantages, hallelujah. An advantage, I have a definition for that. An advantage is a circumstance or condition favorable to success, benefit, or gain, hallelujah. And then another uh, definition of favor is to show special privileges. And we have the fullness of God showing special privileges and providing advantages and making things easier and endorsing us and assisting us and supporting us. Hallelujah. So because we have in Christ the fullness of God's favor, go back to verse 16, says, of His fullness... We have all received. Of His fullness we have all received and grace for grace. Now this is where I want to look at the Amplified. If you can pull up verse 16 in the Amplified. Hallelujah. Out of His fullness, His abundance, we have all received. We all have a share and we are supplied with one grace after another. And spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing. And even favor upon favor and gift heaped upon gift. So this gives you an image of God distributing His favor. And He says, here Gloria, you need some more favor. Here, and here's favor. And here, here's some more favor. And, and here, I need to give you this favor. And here, you know, I, it, it, it was like, well, Lord, where am I going to put any more? That's not my problem where you're going to put it. I'm going to heap it on you. I'm going to heap it on you. Amen. I'm going to heap it on you. Thank you, ma'am. <laughs> I loaded her down. That's what this scripture defines then. Grace upon grace. Spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing. Favor upon favor. It's like when I would sit down to eat at my grandmother's table. 
She was not satisfied until there was no room. You couldn't see the plate when grandma got through. She said, no, honey, you need some macaroni and cheese. No, honey, you need some mashed potatoes with some gravy on it. And no, honey, you need some green beans to go with that. And here, you need, you need a second meatloaf there. You need more. And she, she wouldn't stop till you couldn't see the plate. If the plate was visible, you did not have enough on your plate. And that's where God is concerning favor. He wants to heap it and 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 heap it it until you're a blessing all by yourself. Because we, we are mature and developed and we love God, we're not hoarding it. We're, we're receiving, but we're distributing. We're like, whoa, God's been so good to me. Let me be good to somebody. Amen? So he wants this, this to be something that we have an expectation of and that we enter into with our faith. So he said it is our, we have access to this grace by faith. The Weiss translation says it is our entry into this faith is our entry into this unmerited favor and so that's what we want to do we want to build our faith and that's why we are ministering the word because the hearing of the word will cause you to increase in your expectation go with me to second timothy 2 second timothy chapter 2 and um let's look at verse 1 second timothy 2 1 One, two, Timothy, Titus, Philemon, Hebrews, James. Got got to keep the song. Where is it? Timothy. Come here, Timothy. Chapter 2, verse 1. You, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So now we've seen one that tells us we enter into the grace by faith. And now we see we are not just to enter, but we are to be strong in this grace. We are to be strong. This is an instruction. An instruction. You be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The Weiss translation says, As for you, therefore, my child, be clothed with inward strength by the grace which is in Christ Jesus. Rick Renner he, he says the Weiss translation is one of the closest he has found, and he is a Greek scholar, the closest he has found to the original language. And he says that, and, and so the Weiss says, be clothed with inward strength by the grace. Be clothed with inward strength, which would corroborate what Jerry Savelle said. Dr. Savelle said, when I build my expectancy in the favor of God then when fear of failure comes, it's not effective against me. So he has clothed himself inwardly with this favor. He's clothed himself inwardly with the favor of God, with the grace of God. I know God is is goodwill toward me. I know God is willing to help me. I know there's not anything that I ask him that he's not willing to help me figure out. He's favorable to me. God is on my side. He's on my side. When you believe that, it makes a difference in everything. God is for me. He's not against me. 
There are so many people who are Christians, but they have a mindset that God is against them. And if something doesn't go right, they think it's God who shut the door. If something happens, they think God doesn't want me to have that. They don't ever recognize it's the devil who's stealing and killing and destroying because that mindset has never been uh, renewed and the faith of it has never been built that God is for me. God is with me. He's on my side. He has freely given me his own son. Shall he not also with him freely give me all things? Nothing can separate me from the love God has for me. We've got to develop that until it is so entrenched in us that we know God is for me. He's favorable to me. And in doing so, it will clothe us inwardly with strength. And that's what the Weiss translation says. The Rotherham translation says, Be empowering yourself. Thank you, Father. Be empowering yourself in the favor that is in Christ Jesus. So he says that favor gives me power or an inward strength. The Amplified says, Be strong, strengthened inwardly. So we have three different translations that indicate It is an inward, a strengthening of my spirit man, causing me to be stronger in my heart, in my my being spiritually, be strengthened inwardly in the grace, the spiritual blessing that is to be found only in Christ Jesus. So we are to be strong in this grace. We are to get an inward strength by knowing that God is for me. He's on my side. He's uh, not against me. He is helping me. He's helping me with wisdom. He's helping me with strength. He's helping me know what to do. I appreciate the definition that Charles Caps would always give about grace because grace, the word grace, took a lot of, of wrong turns in recent years. <laughs> and there was a lot of mixed up teaching about it. And that's why I go always to the favor because I have a, a firm foundation there most when I'm dealing with people who know favor. And, and, and so let's keep that grace and favor are interchangeable words. So we're talking about God being favorable towards us. And the definition that Charles Capps would give is very helpful because he defined grace or favor like this. It is God's willingness to use His power and resources on our behalf. God's willingness. He's willing to use His power, His saving power, His blessing power, His wisdom. He's willing to use His power and His resources on our behalf even though we don't deserve it. It's not based on merit. It's based on God's willingness. God's willingness. And so Brother Caps would always use this example. He would say, if someone came and and wanted to, if we were to say God's willingness, if someone came and God said, well, uh, I'm okay if you get saved. I'm okay if you get saved. I'm good with that. That's okay by me. I'm I'm in agreement with you being saved. But you got to figure out how to make it happen. Well, then it's not going to happen because none of us could get saved in our own strength, our own power, our own ability. He had to take his, he had to be willing to use his power and his resources 
to establish redemption for us. Amen? He had to be willing to send His only begotten Son. He had to be willing to raise Him from the dead. He had to be willing to cut covenant with Abraham. He had to be willing to, to declare the end from the beginning and to call those things that be not for hundreds of years throughout the Old Testament speaking prophetically the, the terms of our redemption. He had to be willing to do that and, and follow through. So it was his, it was, it, none of us deserved to be saved. None of us got saved because we were all that in a bag of chips. None of us got saved because, it, I mean, even people who were trying to live morally good lives did not merit salvation. There, that's what it was referring to. Let's look at Romans chapter 3. And, and keep this in context because this is a text that is, uh, 23 is usually pulled out of its context to indicate how unrighteous we all are. It says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But that's not the emphasis of the Scripture. The emphasis is about the righteousness which is by faith of Jesus Christ. Verse 22 refers to it, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference, colon. So the colon in verse 22 indicates that verse 23 is connected to 22. It is a restatement of that last part. There is no difference... For all have sinned. In other words, we all started at the same level playing field. We all needed Jesus when he died for us. We all needed his blood when he poured it out of his body to pay for our sin. We all needed him to raise from the dead so we could be raised out of spiritual death. We all needed it. We had all sinned and come short of the glory. But now we're justified freely. Being justified freely. That's what we are being today. We're not being sinners who've come short of the glory. That was our before Christ picture. We are being justified freely by His favor because He was willing to use all of His power and His resources to make salvation available for us. That's why we're being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So God, this is an example, but this isn't the only limit of His favor. He wants to favor you on your job. He wants to favor you in your marriage. He wants His favor to work for you while you're raising your children. He wants your favor to work while you're uh, preparing for your future. He wants His favor to be at work constantly. The entry into the favor isn't the last Part uh, Look, we just enter in when we get saved and oh well, he favored me once. No, he wants it to be a continual favor upon favor, heaped upon, heaped upon. So uh, this, this willingness to use his power and resources on our behalf is because of his character. It's because that's how God is wired you could say that's how God is he is a father by nature the nature of God is father who loves his children no earthly father has loved their children the way our heavenly father loves us 
when he identified his glory to Moses, he identified himself as gracious, which is full of favor, willing to extend favor. He's willing to. Now, this faith is required for us to enter into the favor and then for us to become strong in the favor, we need to allow the working of that favor in our life. Um, another definition of favor would be God's ability enabling you to do what you cannot do for yourself. God's ability enabling you to do what you cannot do for yourself. You cannot complete your destiny without the favor of God because you need he doesn't want you to do it in yourself he wants you to do it with him as your partner in life he wants his favor to be able to to uh, have its operation and by doing so you'll be able to complete all that he's called you to do so this is God's ability that enables us Inward strength is what we saw from 2 Timothy. Strengthening us inwardly to do what we can't do without that inward strength. So the favor of God can help me walk through situations that I couldn't walk through without the favor of God. The favor of God can help me stand in areas that I can't stand without the favor of God. The, the favor of God can, can give me access or, or give me an open door that I couldn't get in my own power. Amen? It's the favor of God. You know, when I came to, to do the book interview for uh, Pressure, no problem. They were shaking their head in the VTN studio because they said, Sister Caldwell never accepts any, any uh, um, guests outside of Arkansas because she wants her show to minister to the people of Arkansas with people from Arkansas. So she rarely accepts any guests who are not residents here in Arkansas. And I, that's the favor of God. <laughs> All right, that's the favor of God. God enabled me to have a relationship. And once I realized this is the favor of God, I, you, when, you know, I didn't do this, so I, I'm going to make sure I don't treat it lightly. I'm going to honor this favor by, by bringing my best and bringing my respect and my honor. Amen? Amen. And so... Uh, the favor of God. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It strengthens us, enabling us to do what we cannot do for ourselves. I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 15:10 from the Amplified. It says, uh, But by the grace, the unmerited favor and blessing of God, this is Amplified, 1 Corinthians 15:10, by the grace, the unmerited favor and blessing of God. I am what I am. I am what I am because of the favor of God. I recognize He has made me who I am. I recognize it's His favor in me. It's God for me who is allowing me to be what I am. I am what I am by the favor of God on my life. And His favor, His grace toward me, His grace toward me was not found to be for nothing, fruitless and without effect. I think that's a sad thing that in the lives of some who God has extended his favor towards, it could be found to be for nothing. 
Let that not be said of a faith builder. Let that not be said of a faith builder. Let us recognize we are who we are because of the favor that God has towards us. Amen. He said, His favor, His grace toward me was not found to be for nothing, fruitless and without effect. In fact, I worked harder than all of them, the apostles, though it was not really I, but the grace, the unmerited favor and blessing of God which was with me. So he says the, bless, the favor worked for him. He said, I worked harder, but it really wasn't me working harder. It was the favor of God working. I have been so helped by a testimony that Keith Moore shared. And I'm going to share it with you. And you may have heard him if you follow his teachings at all. But Keith Moore was working in Ramah at the healing school. And... Um, he, he got over into a place of study and in prayer where he just asked the Lord one day. He said, Lord, I wonder how much of what I do is me and how much of what I do is you. And then Brother Keith always follows that up by saying, I do not recommend that you pray that. I don't recommend that you follow that example. That was what he asked the Lord. Lord, how much of what I do is you? Because there were a lot of things that were so easy to him. He said he could just take a few scriptures and get up and, and, and preach for an hour in healing school. Just with that, the indication of those two scriptures and it would just flow. He could just get up and, and sit at the piano and, and play the songs. Not, not needing the mu cheap music in front of him. He could just play the songs. There were a lot of things that he was doing by that time in the ministry and he said, I asked the Lord how much of what I do. Now, what does this scripture say? What does this scripture say? He said, I worked harder than all of them, though it was really not me, but the grace of God which was with me. The grace was doing the work. The favor was working through me. Brother Keith said he had prayed that prayer, and he said within the next few days, he said a, a couple of days later, I got up and I couldn't put two scriptures together. I could not sit down at the piano and, and play a song. He said, I had to, he said, I, he said, I tried. I, I, I went into the healing school and I tried. And he said, I ended up having to ask somebody to come up and cover for me. And he said he spent the rest of that week sitting in his office staring out the window because he realized, I don't have anything to give. I don't have any scriptures I can put together. I can't put any, any keys to the song. I know these songs, but I don't, I, all of a sudden, I can't play them. And he said it, came, it all came back to him after a few days. He said, but I was about a week in that place of realizing everything I'm doing is by the grace of God. And he's got a whole series about uh, graces and places that I recommend highly and where he talks about the grace of God, graces and places. There's a grace for the place that God has designed for you to be. There's a favor that God has. It's it, it to equip you for what you're doing. It's to equip you. Some people are really just good with organization. That's part of their assignment. Some people are good with children. That's part of their assignment. Some of the things that you think are just natural characteristics are things that God has put in you as graces, as favor 
to strengthen inward strength to help you do what you're called to do. So he said, it's not really me, but it's the favor of God which was with me that was getting that work done. Amen? So this favor, now we see we enter into it by faith, but we can become strong in that favor, and that strength is an inward strengthening, a clothing inwardly of the favor of God that will help us do things in our life, that will help us accomplish things. And he's talking about the calling. He said, this favor helped me fulfill what God had called me to do. It helped me do the work. I applied myself, but as I was applying myself, favor showed up. Favor began to help me make it easy for me. I I remember when I first started learning Spanish, I knew the Lord told me, he showed me the two hands, you know, like the, here's the church, here's the steeple, open it up and here's all the people, right? He showed me these two hands and he said, be bilingual in your ministry. And I knew that one hand was English, one hand was Spanish, and that's how closely intertwined he, want, he wanted me to be bilingual. And, you know, in, in the beginning, uh, I started going to classes in the local community college there in Kansas, and, and I took many, I just went to Spanish. I didn't try to take anything else. I just wanted to learn Spanish, so I signed up for elementary one. And then I went back for elementary two, and then I went back for the, uh, the advanced and the advanced two, and then I went to conversation, and then I went back to elementary two again because it was past tense verbs, and it's a whole nother ball game. You, you haven't, <laughs> woo, mercy, Lord. And so I, I took that one. I think three times I went back to take past tense verbs uh, because it is, there are a lot more past tense verbs than we have in English, and you have to know why you're saying what you're saying before you know which word to use. And so when I'm translating for pastor, I tell him, don't use a, 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 a made-up scenario. Like, one day what if you decided? Don't do that, because I haven't, I haven't mastered that one. But I've got my Spanish book, my Spanish textbook on my desk because I'm going to go back and master that until I'm proficient in that. But once I started bringing in the call of God, I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm doing everything I can do in the natural, but I need your help. I began, once I got over the fear of making a mistake, see, because what was an obstacle for me was every time I would get into a conversation and I couldn't figure out how to finish the sentence, I would stomp my foot and I would, oh, oh, how do I say that? And I, because I was afraid of making a mistake. And one time... Um, and I was starting my television program in Spanish. And, and nobody in the room knew Spanish but me. And if I got stuck, I didn't know how to fix it. You know, I didn't have anybody to look to. In, in the sanctuary, sometimes they still help me. But I would get in that to try to film something. And so I said, you can use this. I, I just gave two different verbs because I didn't know which one to use for that past tense. So I just gave them two and I told them, you choose. And I I ran into someone who watches the program in California. And I was there ministering at a church there in Montebello, California. And the person came to me and said, even when you mess up, I know what you mean. But a, a person who was helping me there locally said, let's just believe God that every, for every mistake we see 10 people saved. <laughs> let's just believe God to prosper your mistakes. 
and I had to overcome the fear of making a mistake. And, once, and, and what helped me was I realized the people that I'm speaking to, most of them have tried to speak English. So they know what it's like to try to speak another language and make a mistake and not say the words right. They know what it's like and they're not judging me. <laughs> and they're merciful towards me and they're willing to help me. One person who was watching me from California came to me in, in a meeting there and said, I'm on my couch helping you. I, it, you can't hear me, but I'm giving you the, the right word to say. I'm helping you from, the, from my couch. The grace of God has come along and helped me. The favor of God has come along. And, and now I say words sometimes that I didn't even know I had in my vocabulary, but I just, I listen to a lot of Spanish, so I pick them up and they just come out and I'm like, oh, I said that word right. Hey, or I'll try to, you know, I, I tell the congregation in the Hispanic uh, service, at times I will invent words. And so sometimes I'll think I'm inventing one that really is not a word, you know, because sometimes there are English words that, that do sound the same in Spanish, and sometimes they're like, no, that's not a word. Uh, and, and so, but now I'll say, is that a word? And they're like, it is, it is. I'm like, oh, I didn't even know that was a word. I was guessing. <laughs> but the favor of God, God has given me favor in that, and it's not hard. It's not hard. The favor of God comes in. When I get started, if I'll just get past that initial beginning, if I'll just get started, I can just speak out of my spirit. In, in, and, and yes, I have to know kind of what I'm saying. It's not just some mysterious. There have been people who God has, has given them a language, but as I'm going, the favor of God begins to kick in and begin to help me minister and I'll be able to say things and tell the story and as long as I have, don't have to, so, something that's conditional that hasn't really happened yet. I'm going to master that one though. I'm going to be proficient in that. The, the grace of God, it's not me, but it's the grace of God which was with me. So let's, let's move into 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Over here in chapter 12, we see a scripture that is often misunderstood. And I want us to look at it in the light of the favor of God. 2 Corinthians 12 is the text where uh, the Apostle Paul uh, said that he, that he, had, he was dealing with what he refers to as a thorn in the flesh. And... Um, it's often misunderstood because people have tried to guess or, or, or come up with all kinds of things what this thorn in the flesh because they want to indicate that it's a sickness. But here in the scripture, he tells us exactly what the thorn in the flesh was. And we're not going... Uh, let, let me just let, deal with that thorn in the flesh here first of all. Verse 7, Lest I should be exalted above measure... Through the abundance of revelation. Who gave him the revelation? Who gave, who gave him the revelation? These are revelations that the head of the church, Jesus, uh, dealt and taught with the Apostle Paul and gave him revelations of who we are in Christ, gave him revelations of uh, the uh, uh, operation of the gifts of the Spirit. There are things that are brought to us through the teachings of the Apostle Paul that were revelations that came from God through Jesus 
So do you think God wanted to hold him back from that revelation getting, getting a momentum? Do you think God was going to hinder or set up any obstacles to stop him from being as productive and effective with those revelations as he could possibly be? No. So God is not the one who doesn't want Paul to be exalted above measure in this revelation. God is not the one. God wants him. God says, I'll make your name great. Why? Because I've got to make your name great to make you a blessing. So the blessing of Genesis 12 says, I'll make your name great. For God, for us to represent God, he's got to put us a city on a hill. The light in the darkness. He's got to put us in a place that we can represent him. So God doesn't have a problem with Paul being in a place of exposure where these revelations are concerned. God wants him to reach as many people as he can reach with this revelation. So he said, less, the, he knew the reason that this thorn in the flesh came is because it was after the revelation being exalted in his ministry. It was to keep him from having a platform, a, 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 a um, popularity, if you will, or a recognition that he has something to say. So that wasn't God. And he identified, it is a thorn in the flesh, comma, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, comma. So in between those two commas is a specifying of what the thorn in the flesh was. The thorn in the flesh was not an illness. It was not an eye problem. It was not a humped over back. It was not crippled feet. The thorn in the flesh was the messenger of Satan to buffet him. That's what the two commas are offsetting in grammatically. It is establishing a specification of the previously stated phrase, a thorn in the flesh. Ezekiel 28, 24. Back up here. Hold your place. We're going to come back to 2 Corinthians, but I want to give you some, I want to pass out some bullets tonight. Uh, Ezekiel 28. I want to give you, now, do you read the Apostle Paul's writings and often see him using phrases from the Old Testament? Do we see him do that a lot? He uses a lot of references from the Old Testament, doesn't he? Well, here in Ezekiel 28, we, he would have read Ezekiel, wouldn't he? Paul would have read it. He was a, a very studious and very learned in the Word of God. And so Ezekiel 28, let's look at verse 24. It says here, And there shall be no more a pricking briar unto the house of Israel, nor any grieving thorn of all that are around them, that despise them, and they shall know that I am the Lord God. So he uses a phrase here, a pricking briar and a grieving thorn, and he's referring to people of all that are around them, round about them. He's referring to ungodly groups of people who lived around about Israel. He said they're not going to be a thorn or a pricking briar. So a thorn in the flesh is indicating people, indicating a group of people, not a sickness, not an illness, not a depression, 
a, a group of people is what Ezekiel 28, 24 is referring to. Judges chapter 2 and verse 3 is another example. Judges 2 and verse 3. And this is important for us to understand favor because if, you, if people start out this text thinking that the thorn in the flesh is some kind of sickness then they're not going to get the revelation about the favor that comes at the end of the text. So Judges 2 verse 3 says, Wherefore I also said, I will not drive them out from before you, but they shall be as thorns in your sides, and their gods shall be a snare unto you. Now he's talking about the people that they made a league with after God told them don't make any covenants with people in the land. And they went in and made a league. They were deceived, but they still cut a covenant which was disobedient. And God, because they had cut that covenant, God could not drive those group of people out. And he said they were going to be a thorn in their side. A thorn, a people group, a thorn in their side. Ungodly people, people who were not uh, committed to God or so that none of your Christian brothers and sisters are thorns in your side. Your husband, your wife, they're not a thorn in your side. Let me just straighten that out right away so we don't get in error there. Numbers 33. Numbers 33.55. Thorn in my flesh. No, 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 no. Walk in love. Numbers 33.55 gives us another example here. But if, we, if you will not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then it shall come to pass that those which you let remain of them will be pricks in your eyes and thorns in your side and shall vex you in the land wherein you dwell. So we have seen three Old Testament examples where God... Use the reference of thorns in the side as an indication of ungodly people who were against them. Who were against them. So now let's go back with that light. Let's go back and read 2 Corinthians in that light. He says in 12.7 of 2 Corinthians, Lest I should be exalted above measure. We know who that's by. The enemy doesn't want that. Through the abundance of the revelation, there was given unto me. God did not give it. God did not give it. Satan assigned a messenger. There was given to me a thorn in the flesh. There was assigned to me a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. So let's, let's look at how this thorn in the flesh operated, how this messenger of Satan operated. First of all, Acts 13. Hold your place in 2 Corinthians and go to Acts 13. And let's look at verses 42 through 45. Acts 13, 42. And when the Jews... Now, we've got um, Paul preaching here. Paul, Paul is there. He's, he's, he's there on assignment. Verse 42, And when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, the Gentiles besought that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. They want to hear what Paul's preaching. 
And when the congregation was broken up, many of the Jews and religious proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who speaking to them persuaded them to continue in the grace, the favor of God. So we've got Gentiles who want to hear more, and we've got some of the Jews who want to hear more. And then verse 44, the next Sabbath day, the whole city came together. Whoa, let that be unto me according to your word, Lord. Let Little Rock turn to hear the, the words of God's goodness. Amen. The whole city came out. Would you say he has been exalted for the revelation to go forth? Who favored him? God gave him favor to be heard in that city so that those people could receive. Who's going to benefit? The people who are getting the preached word to them, the kingdom preached to them. The gospel of the kingdom's being preached to them. God wants this. The whole city turned out. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and spoke against those things which were spoken by Paul. Who's coming against? The revelation, the abundance of revelation. Who's trying to, to pull down from that place of it's being exalted to the point that the whole city came to hear it? And now the Jews say, we don't want them believing that. We've got to speak against this. And they spoke against the words. What, what was Paul speaking? The gospel. So they're speaking against what God sent him to preach. They spoke against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. Go with me also to the same chapter, verse 50. But the Jews stirred up the devout and honorable women and the chief men of the city. Wait, wait, wait. Back up and read verse 49. Oh, read verse 48. Help me, Jesus. When the, verse 48, 48. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word. What got glorified? The word. Verse 49. And the word of the Lord was published throughout all the region. Is this what God wanted? Okay, so God didn't send anything to stop this. The Jews stirred up the devout and honorable women. How did they do that? They had to do it with lies. They had to do it. They, had, they stirred them up and the chief men of the city and raised persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them out of their coast. One minute the whole city is glorifying the word of God and the word is being published throughout the, ne throughout the region and the next minute they're kicking the preacher out. They shook off the dust of their feet against them and came unto Iconium. Now, what happens in Iconium? What happens in Iconium? 14.1 And it came to pass in Iconium that they went both together into the synagogue of the Jews and so spake that a great multitude both of Jews and of the Greeks believed. Woo! Hallelujah! That's what we want. That's the will of God. That's the favor of God in operation. The unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and made their minds evil affected against the brethren. 
Long time therefore abode they speaking boldly in the Lord, which gave the Lord which gave testimony unto the word of his grace and granted signs and wonders to be done by their hands. So God is showing them for them by demonstrating his power with signs and wonders. God isn't stopping this. God isn't concerned that Paul's going to get too big for his britches. God's not saying, oh, Paul's going to get exalted. I've got to take him down a notch or two. God's not into taking down. He's into putting into the position for the gospel to be preached on a greater level. And so we see here, it says, verse 4, the multi- but the multitude of the city was divided and part held with the Jews and part with the apostles. So every time, now, now what happens? Let's go to 14.5. Let's continue on. When there was an assault made both of the Gentiles and also of the Jews with their rulers to use them despitefully and to stone them. And they were aware of it and fled into Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lyconia, and into the region that lies round about. And there they preached the gospel. So they started planning to stone them and they had to leave Iconium and go to Derbe and Lystra. And so here they are in Derby and Lystra, verse 19 of this same chapter, 14, 19, uh, 14, 19. And there came there certain Jews from Antioch, and I co- they followed them. <gasps> That's got to be demonic, that they would pay for their own travel expenses and take the time and effort away from their normal everyday lives to follow them from Antioch and from Iconium to come to Derby and Lystra where there's a revival trying to go on again. And, and it says they, they came from Antioch and Iconium and they persuaded the people and stoned Paul for doing what? Preaching the gospel and people were getting saved and the word was being glorified and the whole city was turning to God. And they come and stoned Paul drew him out of the city, supposing, you know, they were professional stoners. They weren't just, you know, learning how to throw rocks yesterday. They, they did this. If they got, if, if a stoning needed to happen, they, they were, they, they didn't just pick up some pebbles. They stoned people to death and they thought he was dead. And some theologians think maybe he was, but it says the disciples stood round about. I'm sure they were praying. They weren't just standing there saying gloom, despair, agony on me. No, they were singing uh, resurrection songs. But nevertheless, we don't have that specifically. But they thought he was dead. They stoned him uh, to the point that they thought he was dead and took him out and threw his body outside of the city. But he rose up and came into the city and the next day departed with Barnabas to Derby. Have mercy. So three different times. Go back to 2 Corinthians. Antioch, Iconium, and there in, in Lystra, he has started preaching the gospel, and the gospel was getting exalted so that the whole city was responding, and evil messenger of Satan came and stirred up devout men and women, stirred up good people, stirred up people that were believing one day 
But after that demonic stirring of hatred and envy and strife, that's why we do not allow strife in ministry. If there's strife, there's an open door for confusion and every other evil work. They, with their strife, hindered the preaching of the gospel. Now let's read in that light from 2 Corinthians 12. Go back with me. And let's remember he said, a messenger of Satan to buffet me. Verse 8, he said, this for this thing, this attack of this messenger of Satan who is hammering me, I besought the Lord three times. I think I know when those three times were. I think he besought him in Antioch. I think he besought him in Lystra, Iconium, and in Lystra and Derbe. I think every time that he's like, Lord, what, in, what is happening? Why are these people mad at me? I'm just preaching the gospel. I'm doing what you told me to do. I mean, he, he is seeing the word of God come to pass and the next minute kicked out of town. I think he besought the Lord in each one of those occasions. He said, I besought the Lord three times that what this messenger of Satan would do would depart, that he would, he would get off my back and let me do what I'm called to do. And this is how God answered. And this is why this is such a misunderstood scripture because people have, have taken this answer and they have twisted the words to mean something God didn't say. But we've got light tonight. We know that God said we can be strong in grace. And that grace gives us an inward strength. And that we can do the work of God with the grace of God that's in us through Christ Jesus. And of His fullness we have. We have all the grace we ever need. Heaped and heaped and heaped available for us to say, I need grace to get through this. I need grace to overcome this. God said, my grace is sufficient. Now, let me just give some phrases that some people think this means. Hold on till the going on comes on. Tie a knot at the end of the rope and hold on because my grace will help you hold on to that knot at the end of the rope. Grace will, will help you suffer through this. Grace will help you endure this miserable, awful situation. That's not what he said. He, he said, you need the grace tool. You're asking me to do something that I've already put the equipment in you to do with. You're asking me for something, but I've put it in you in the form of grace. And so if you'll pull out the grace weapon, pull out the grace instrument, this is not the time to pull out the butter knife when you need a screwdriver or a drill. You do not want to hang this curtain with a butter knife. You do not want to try to put that on the wall with a butter knife. You need a power drill. I mean, you don't even want to try to screw with the screwdriver to get through that. No, you can just get the power drill out and, and, and put the... He says, get the grace weapon out. Get the grace tool out. You need the grace because grace will accomplish this. What was he trying to accomplish? 
get this enemy off my back. I'm going to read this to you from a, another translation. Concerning this three times, I begged the Lord that he might depart from me, this messenger of Satan, that the messenger of Satan would depart from me. And the Lord has said to me, and his declaration still stands. So now I know it's the Weiss translation because that's how the Weiss talks. Kenneth E. Weiss translation. And his declaration still stands. He, this is what he said to me and his declaration still stands. My grace is enough for you. For power is moment by moment coming to its full energy and complete operation in the sphere of weakness. When you are naturally weak to do it, there's a spiritual supply of power that is coming moment by moment. Coming to its full energy and complete operation. Therefore, this the Apostle Paul said, most gladly therefore, or therefore, will I the rather boast in my weaknesses in order that the power of Christ may take up its residence in me working within me and giving me help. Working that the power of Christ may rest upon me, the King James says. The we says, working within me and giving me help. The favor is working in me to help me overcome, not just endure it, not just suffer it, but to, to victory, to gain a victory over it. He said grace is sufficient for the victory against that attack. The favor of God, the favor of God, if you'll be strong in the favor, that favor is an inward strength that will help you overcome that situation. And so he goes on and he says, Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. I take pleasure in them. Do you think Paul's lost his mind right there? I take pleasure. Now, infirmity is not sickness. Infirmity means weakness. Remember Romans 8? The Holy Spirit helps us in our infirmities. It's not sickness. I, I take pleasure in my weaknesses, in the reproaches, in the times that I have needs, in the times that I'm being... Uh, these, all these persecutions came against him. Was he reproached? Was he persecuted? Were there times he had need? We know he needed the strength of God to heal him because he got stoned by people who were throwing huge rocks at him. In distresses. He said, I take pleasure in them. Why? Because I know I'm favored by God. I know God's with me. I know I'm not alone in this. I know that God's going to help me. I know that God is on my side. And if God be for me, Tell me who in the world can be against me. If God be for me, tell me who in the world can be against me. If God be for me, tell me who in the world can be against me. Nobody. <laughs> Nobody. I'm going to take pleasure. Why? Because God is for me. 
And this is an opportunity for him to come to my rescue and for him to strengthen me on the inside and make me victorious over this situation, victorious over this distress, victorious over this necessity, victorious over this reproach. I have the victory because God is on my side. He'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. He's my friend who sticks closer than a brother. I'm taking pleasure in it because the grace of God is coming to my rescue. The favor of God in Christ. Hallelujah. He says in the Weiss translation, for when I am weak, then I am filled with ability and power. I am filled. So we're never weak. Never weak. As a permanent condition. If you find yourself unable in your own strength, you've got some strength besides your own. If you find yourself without an ability in your own, in your own ability stores, you have access in his ability. He says, you need my ability? I am willing to extend my ability, my resources, my power, my help. Hallelujah. That's the, that's the favor of God. God's willingness to use all of it. He's like, I'm reaching, I'm reaching. Here, Patricia, come on, honey, take it. Take it, take it, take it. This is, this is favor, and faith is our hand on the other side reaching. God is extended. I mean, he's stretched as far as he can stretch his favor to you. Here's all you need, honey. Just take it, take it. That's the favor of God. So that's what he said to the Apostle Paul. My favor. That's what you need to put to work. That's what you need to activate. You need to use favor upon this situation. Glory to God. The favor of God moving in that situation. 1 Timothy 1. Hallelujah. Multiply. 1 Timothy 1.12. Hallelujah. And we're going to read from the Amplified 12, 13, and 14 from 1 Timothy 1. I'm going to go ahead with the Amplified. I give thanks to Him who has granted me the needed strength and made me able for this. I give thanks to Him who has granted me. What is a grant? It's something that is given to you favorably. He has granted me the needed strength and made me able for this. The King James says, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me, enabled me, granted me the needed strength and made me able for this. Christ Jesus, our Lord, because he has judged and counted me faithful and trustworthy, appointing me to this stewardship of the ministry, though I formerly blasphemed and persecuted and was shamefully and outrageously and aggressively insulting to him, Nevertheless, I obtained mercy because I had acted out of ignorance and unbelief. Verse 14 from the Amplified. And the grace, the unmerited favor and blessing of our Lord actually flowed out superabundantly and beyond measure for me. <laughs> heaped upon, heaped upon, heaped upon blessings. It flowed out superabundantly and beyond measure for me, accompanied by faith and love that are to be realized in Christ Jesus. So he, he grants us the needed strength. 
we are able to do exceeding abundantly through Him. We're able to do exceeding things. We're able. Why? Because He's giving us His ability. He's giving us access to His resources and His power to do what we need to do. And then let's close with Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16. We talked about the righteousness today and how valuable that righteousness is to our life. And it is a foundation for us to enter into the boldness and the uh, uh, authority that we are to operate. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16 says, Let us therefore come boldly, because of what the blood has opened in the new and the living way, because we have a high priest who has been uh, tempted like we are yet without sin, because we have a high priest and we hold our, our profession fast. It says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of favor. To the throne. How are we to approach the favor of God, His throne, His dominion of favor? With courage. That boldly is not arrogant. It's courageously, confidently. My Father loves me. He washed me in the blood of Jesus. He loves me so much He redeemed me. He took me out of the authority of darkness and has governed me with the love of His Son. And, and He is so willing to help me, providing everything for me in this cup. So when I come to the throne of His favor, I need that expectation of good. I need to come with that confidence that God is for me. That we may obtain mercy and find favor to help. Favor will help. What did Paul need? He... Sometimes we pray, Lord, just make it stop. <laughs> Lord, just make them stop. Make this stop. Lord, do this, do this. And we're thinking that it's in God's uh, wheelhouse or His responsibility to do that. When God says, I need you to access your favor and put that favor to work in this situation and it can work for you. You know... We re read those instances with the Apostle Paul. He began to operate in that favor of God. After that damsel who was demon-possessed confronted them and followed them around saying, these men are servants of the Most High God, and he turned around and cast the demon out of that girl, and they lied on him, and threw him, they beat them and threw them in. That was the last of that type of opposition. From that point, we see him being able to maintain to the point that he entered into Ephesus and preached in Ephesus. Remember, they were going to go in one direction and God said, don't go there. And he went in another direction. He said, don't go there. And finally, the Macedonia 
dream came and he went in that direction and it says he ended up coming down into Ephesus and encountering in I think it's chapter 19 those uh, uh, 12 men who had been baptized under John's baptism and he said have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed and they said we didn't know about the Holy Ghost and he said how did you get baptized they said we were baptized under John's baptism and he said well let me preach Jesus to you because John was pointing to Jesus and so he preached Jesus and they got baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit and it says he continued with that 12 in that certain place in that school of Tyrannus and it said it, 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 from the school of Tyrannus they've moved that group now they've gone beyond 12 they moved that group over to this other location and they're ministering or maybe they moved into the school of Tyrannus he said from that point all who were in Asia heard the word of God he didn't have any more riots. The messenger of Satan had been defeated. That, that thorn in the flesh had been removed. And he was able to not only maintain in that for a number of years, he said, an effectual door has been opened unto me. And the supernatural power of God that was confirming what he was preaching was so strong upon his ministry that it was the handkerchiefs that they took. He would preach with them and they would take them out and demons would come out because the handkerchiefs that... It was the anointing that he was able to access in that place of favor. There was nothing stopping the exalting of the revelation. All who were in Asia heard... Hallelujah. He gained that victory through the favor of God. The grace, my grace is sufficient. My ability working on your behalf is able to see you move that messenger of Satan out of the way and accomplish what I sent you to do. Amen? And, and he's no respecter of persons. He'll do the same in your life. Amen? Let's stand to our feet and thank God for his word tonight.